2: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm Marcello Rolando, your host. And as you know, the Reasonable Voices talk radio show is where we invite and entertain and welcome reasonable voices with reasonable solutions, but we don't escape the truth. We we speak truth to power. My guest today is Dan Graney, an author, and he's a graduate of Stanford University, UC Davis, and uh, many years of middle school teaching. I did a few years of middle school teaching myself, loved it. He works uh, in university outreach programs and in a variety of community, nature appreciation and sustainability efforts, so that gives you some idea where he's coming from. Dan tells me we sort of met on Op-Ed News. Hello to all my friends over there, opednews.com, and I'm, I don't know exactly how that happened, but I'm glad it did. Dan has written a book called The Worst Generation. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you? And what is the worst generation? Tell me how you are first. All
0: right. Oh, uh, I'm fine, thank you, Marcella. Thank you for having me on. This is this is wonderful.
2: Well, it's, who is the worst generation? And
0: well, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that name on uh, any generation
2: but my own. Ah. And, and you know, it's it's a time which which would be the
0: baby boomers. I, I'm, I guess I'm a tail end of the baby boomer myself, but. uh to use a, a title like that, I, I can't imagine that our generation is is morally worse than others. Every generation has its its example, wonderful generosity and beauty, and its examples of, of atrocity. I think what is maybe more unique about uh, about our generation is that we've had uh, unprecedented power through technology, through sheer numbers, our choices have a, an impact that is, is huge uh, around the globe and, uh, and, and for individuals uh, in, in communities around the globe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, I, and I feel like we have not done what we could have done to, to leave a, a richer world behind us. And you, know, you, you said in your intro there about uh, trying to come up with solutions, and that's that's the thing that I I, I try to live that way. I think I do in my day to day life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book, um, I wouldn't say it. Ought, in fact, I would say it doesn't offer solutions. Just add, it's it's a novel, not a platform. and, and although I have every hope that it can contribute to people looking for solutions, looking for ways to to better the world for for those behind us. Uh As as a novel, it it is a cry more than a directed solution.
2: You know, Uh, I'm glad you mentioned it's a novel because your lead character, Jenny Owlhouse, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, tells her childhood story but she tells it when she's an adult. And like most of us, we you, you, you grow up and you remember things that happened in your childhood, but you see them through the experience of now being an adult and perhaps uh, putting things in, into perspective or responding strongly. But but anyway, Jenny Owlhouse, your lead character as an adult, describing her childhood, accuses her parents of... Um, contributing to a myopic prosperity what does she mean by that and and i guess we should point out the worst generation baby boomers follows tom brokaw's the greatest generation is that where we are sort of historically in your uh, in your mind it would be the chronologically the next generation uh-huh. in us history but this book is you know this is a novel this
0: is a Is a collection of vignettes. Sure. Um, And so it's not, you know, I I don't see that the direct descendant of that, although certainly
2: the name echoes that, yes. Sure. Okay. Well, back to your novel and your character, Jenny Owlhouse, accusing her parents of being a contributing to a myopic prosperity. What does that mean? I mean, I know what it means, but. (laughs) So my daughter was down at Stanford, and she got very
0: involved in the move to divest from fossil fuels, and it's an attempt to reduce climate change. You know, I, I, I hope that, that your listeners are are
1: very aware of the potential threats with the climate change and yes. it's, you know, affirmed as a, a
0: reality and a disaster's becoming reality by NASA and NOAA and the World Bank and Wall Street and, and uh, you know, just agencies and universities around the world. And so I, I very readily Got as an alumnus, got involved in that movement also. And, and I was down there on campus and at this rally to try to get the university to, to make a statement here hey, we need to do something about this. Yeah. Uh, its endowment from fossil fuels, from fossil fuel extraction. And, and I'm looking around there, and you know, here I am, late 50s, and, uh, and I'm with all these, you know, 20 year olds. It just struck me that here these guys are trying to do something better for the world that they're going to be living. their adulthood adults, mm-hmm. and we haven't.
2: I was have feeling we, we haven't lived up to that, and so that that really was a, a you know motivational thought for me. Sure. And uh, and then of course
0: that's all in the midst of of the you know, last decade here of of economic turmoil, mm-hmm. and uh, again that was a an example of. Well, mostly selfishness, uh, and and by selfishness, short-sightedness, you, your myopic prosperity. If mm-hmm. um, so I'm going to get me and run, and and of course, some people were able to do that, but on a grand scale, it, it was a catastrophe. Yeah. And so those are two huge areas that I think they're, they're fundamental to human well-being: your your economic and environmental prosperity, your your health there. And I I feel like we have not created the world that we should have and that we
2: could have. You know, a lot of people, as well as some scientific study, have said that this will be in many areas, some which you've already spoken of, but others as well. The next generation, be they called millennials or whatever, the next generation will not be as well off financially or physically as the generation before it. So when we pull all of that together, uh, you know, fossil fuels, danger to the environment, uh, air pollution, uh, rainforest disappearing by man, but water and food and air and the economy and student loans as part of that economy. I know I've thrown out a lot, but it seems to me you are talking about those very basic day-to-day expectations and that we need to either change our behavior if, if we have time to do that or change our expectations as you say is the worst generation a novel that is simply a wake-up call cold water in our face or what is its challenge to us yeah i you know first of all i, I i'll try to tackle that all and, <laughs> yes. and you're right what i'm trying to
0: tackle in the book and it is you know, all of those issues are issues that uh you know our children will need to face and and their children even more so and so on Mm -hmm. um and to me i think where where i've gone with it is that basically i'll say it this way i think our
1: generation first of all we're not all bad you know i mean and, and, and i've gotten
0: this kind of feedback from some of my early readers here uh you know, just, hey, you know, we boomers did a lot of good, and you can look and and, and you know the technological capacities. I mean, you and I are you know are, are across
1: the country and able to communicate like this. Yes. Earlier, uh, but but you know with the all of the computer technology, medical technology, and, and treatments. Yes. Um, which don't equate with
0: health, but but nonetheless, medical advances you know, arguably trade. Um, our generation, it's, it's not all bad. I don't want to try to pretend that. I don't mm-hmm. think... People, but there are huge challenges that we have not addressed. Either, uh, you know, deny them, pretend they're not there, look the other way, get ourselves involved in, in other worth, worthy projects, but fairly small, you know? Okay, I'll... I'll
1: rescue puppies in my neighborhood. I mean, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But but there are systemic things that, as a, a population of over seven
0: billion people, as a as a world integrated economy, mm-hmm. we need to deal with larger things too. And those are the things where I, I think we failed. And and you know, I, I pointed out or mentioned uh, the environment and the economy as as two huge. Areas that need attention on a bigger scale. How do we do that? I Know my my thought is basically uh, I don't think you can legislate
1: morality mm-hmm. uh, But I think it is it is a moral issue and uh, uh,
0: Legislation can support morality but ultimately it's cultural and we we need to listen to those better angels in us and and overcome that selfishness you know one thing i think we've accepted that definition of of success
1: Mm -hmm. as as material wealth and again i you know i we are material beings, and we're physical beings. We need some material
0: wealth. We do need to use resources, and sure. That, uh, but, but that's only part of what we are. And we are we are social beings. We are, you know, and and we need to. Uh, here, let me let me give an example. Uh, okay, recently uh, in the news, the, the pharmaceutical industry. You know the huge profits on the
1: the rise in prices martin shrilly and and uh
0: now the epitans yes. um and in some ways i can forgive i don't know um the, the the corporations for doing that because that is our concept of success at least as a corporation You increase profits and you know if you're going to sell the thing and only have to make sure of them, but you make a bigger profit by, by selling them at a higher price. Mm-hmm. That's what is accepted. Um, and uh, it, it, that, that's, you know, that follows our, our,
1: our economic model. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it doesn't
0: always work <laughs> to be good for, for actual people. And that's where legislation can help support, decency. Um, but ultimately, you know, people will find ways around things. That's what, that's the way everything works. I mean, mm-hmm. evolution works that way. You find some way to survive a different way. And if, and if our goal is to maximize dollar profits, we'll find a way to do it no matter what the legislation. Um, so ultimately it, it's, it's a matter of the human heart and, uh, recognizing that we are more than just our bank accounts. Mm-hmm. We are more than just I myself. We are a community. And as I say now with, with the, uh, the worldwide travel and, and economy uh, and, and environment, uh, because the issues are that big, then we need to be a, a worldwide community, which is a very different,
1: a very difficult thing mm-hmm. for the Bible creatures that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, but I think
2: we need to go in that direction. I don't know if I'm being clear. It was a big question that you asked. Yes. I think
0: that's where I'm trying to go.
1: Uh,
2: I think you're doing an excellent job, and I, I just think, as you say, these are huge issues, and I don't believe that uh, many in America, I'll I'll stick with us for a moment, many in America who have concerns about the economy and even the environment really think that those concerns are global. We get kind of locked in that, you know, we are having terrible weather not everyone believes it has anything to do with climate change, but you know, floods like this, the, the severity of tornadoes, the rapidity of tornadoes, earthquakes will be next I mean you know so I I guess my question is is is, it is a global situation and that isn't really what I asked but that's how you answered it and that's exactly uh, the point I was trying to get at so you yes you you got it it's we're not alone in in being bad for the earth as and we're not alone in being good for the, the humankind but we do we do find ourselves all standing in the same scenario and yet not completely aware that there are other countries and other nationalities and ages in the play with us. Is that, um, I tell you what, hold, think on that one. We're going to take a break. We are talking to my guest, the author of The Worst Generation, Dan Granny and uh we're going to be right back we're talking about the worst generation which as he has said is not all bad but not all good and we've made certain financial economic uh, environmental uh, choices and we are we are bequeathing our choices or the results of our choices to the next generations and i guess that's the point i hope dan agrees with me we'll find out When we get back, stay with us. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Before John Favreau moved to Hollywood to write, produce, direct, and act in some of the biggest blockbusters of our times, he had deep roots in indie film, beginning with the indie classic Swingers. Chef marks Favreau's return to the indie world, now armed with all the lessons and contacts he picked up in the big leagues. Let's face it, big actors bring a lot to the table, so why wouldn't Favreau bring friends like Sofia Vergara, Dustin Hoffman, Bobby Cannavale, Oliver Platt, and Robert Downing Jr. into his new indie venture? And after all, Hollywood has mastered the art of good storytelling, even if the stories can sometimes be as hollow as an empty suit. But there is nothing hollow here. Carl Casper is a top chef, passionate about food but prone to neglecting the rest of his life when a career blow-up bounces him to the bottom he seeks redemption in the window of a traveling food truck serving up delicious cuban sandwiches with his young son and loyal line cook In Chef, Favreau gets back to the basics, combining the best of his Hollywood experience with his innate indie roots. The result is our favorite laugh-out-loud comedy of the year, a perfectly polished indie with Hollywood DNA. Chef, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. My guest today is author Dan P. Graney, graduate of Stanford, UC Davis. And I like that he's also taught middle school. I did when I uh, left New York City, as many know, uh, because of my parents' health. I got a quick job just because it was quick. And there at a middle school and three years of the most rewarding of of my life. I really, children, and that, that I think is at the heart, if I may say, Dan, at what you're talking about. Children to you and me can be people 30s and 20s, but there's still young children who have, like your character, Jenny Alhouse in The Worst Generation. Uh, When she was a child, she didn't know the ramifications or the complete significance, I don't imagine, of what she tells us in your book, your novel, The Worst Generation. So what happens if we learn too late? Is that Jenny's uh, challenge that she learned too late to do anything?
0: No, I don't. I don't think it's ever too late, uh, um, and that, that includes for my generation, Howard. Uh, uh, you know, you always, you always, you, you don't get to choose that like like your middle school students uh, yes. and mine. Um, you don't get to choose what you're born into. You get to choose what you do with it, right. and that's, that's kind of, you know, bold news at this point. And, uh, and and so we are where we are. Yes. And And are we too late? No. It, it, there is no. There is no such thing. I mean, there is such thing for any one incremental thing. Are, are sea levels going to rise? Are storms going to happen? Um, you know, I think earthquakes are pretty independent of climate change. Um, is you know, is poverty going to happen? All those things are going to happen, but we can make them better, make you know, make them less severe, less frequent. We can work to to do what's right. We're always limited by by the condition that we're in but we try to improve it Um, we're always limited by the knowledge that we have but we can try to improve that and uh, I think that is our I don't know I'll say our call as human beings to do what's right and and it's it's you know, I, I think that's the issue. You know, talking about about seventh graders, like a lot of my earlier career and still, I'm, I'm involved with our local Audubon. And I lead huh? bird walk
1: and uh, for youth specifically. Um, and I used
0: to work at uh, years ago at outdoor schools, and I loved taking the kids out there. And a the thing that I learned is uh, um, in the animal world.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the two areas I like to focus on with kids were birds or insects. Hmm. It's because they were there. Because you can know, see,
0: you take kids out, and in most environments, you don't see a whole bunch of mammals. You don't see a whole bunch of, well, amphibians and reptiles in some areas you can, not where I live so much. Uh-huh. But birds and and insects, so they're around. Yes. And, and they're visible. And, uh... And I I love it because you could take them out and, and the kids could you know with the binoculars that we provided they could get these incredible great views of the birds and if you did it right and if you a little luck um, and that connection with our world that could be cultivated there was was a, I think a
1: really beautiful good healthy thing mm. um, and and
0: now I I take care- Different place, and, and maybe that's a difference. But um, I don't
1: find as many birds, mm. and they still, and we can still do what
0: what I'm talking about, you know, taking the kids out and, and having that connection. But it's not as readily available, and and I think about kids who, who live in places where it's unavailable. Uh, we're just living in this time, and it's harder to to make that connection. And is it too late? No, it can still be done, but it's harder now. And and right now, um, the studies on the bird life and and climate change, Audubon is predicting uh, it was some, somewhere around sixty uh, percent of North American bird species are expected to lose half of their range, their seasonal range mm. uh, within my children's lifetime. You know, that's, that's a huge
1: loss of mm. beauty in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I know
0: not everybody's into the birds, but, but, but it's, it's, it's part of our world. And beauty does matter. And so
2: are we too late? No. But are there things we can do better? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I love birds, by the way, and have at uh, all my houses, I have lots of bird feeders, and different times of year, uh, of the year, different different species show up. But what I miss is not just the quantity or even the beauty. I miss also, I miss those things, but I also miss that we don't get. I don't think really, you know, farmers probably do. People who raise animals, although caging them up and slaughtering them may. Maybe not so much, they only see the dollar signs, but there are plenty of people of the land, if you will, uh, like my grandmama, for instance, who's no longer with us, but she understood and would teach me that everything's connected, you know it's such an easy phrase to say because we think connection is about cell phones, smartphones, you know, computers and watches et cetera but But nature is connected, and when we take away what nature needs to survive. We're cutting into the food chain, if nothing else. we're blowing up a bridge that's what we're doing because there are bridges that connect us to all of these. you know the we've heard the story, whether Einstein said it or not about the bees. But we know the pollinators are diminishing, and uh, you know birds live off of insects, among other things and if If you start taking away the pieces of of nature's food chain, I'm not doubting that it's not too late. But I am asking you, as the author of The Worst Generation, how do we correct our MO? How do we?
0: You know, uh, um, I I can't sit here and pontificate answers. Um, You know, I have some ideas, certainly. Uh But I think it it takes uh, certainly more than than my ideas or, or ideas that you and I can generate here, it, it takes everybody working as as individuals, as families,
1: as communities, uh, as businesses, corporations, um,
0: and as governments.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, how do we create a better world? And and first of all, you know, what is a better world? Well, I'm going to say
0: that it's one that is healthy and beautiful. Um, you know, and, and by beautiful, for me, and this will vary for some people, but I think. I think there's room enough for both, say, architectural beauty Mm -hmm. and the kind of beauty that we're talking about, birds, wild nature. And uh, so I think it takes all of us working on that. But but certainly those issues having to do with energy are huge
1: because
0: we do consume or use a lot of energy, and that has tremendous impacts both in the generation of it uh, whether it's, it's a mining operation and in the, at the waste end of it, yes. um, which have our climate change problems the, the gas waste that's changing our, our atmosphere. And so those are things that, that we need to work on. And so yes, as individuals, maybe we can reduce our energy consumption. I mean, those are things that we can do uh, as companies, we can do that. We can we can make the more efficient automobile. We can and as governments, we can support that by creating a level field for say different companies. That work to maybe put the extra research and development dollars into making greater efficiencies. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways to deal with this, and you know, there are a lot, a lot of folks out there who know a lot more about any one area of it than I do. Yeah, I think that's what we need. And and if we continue to operate or to I, I should say, to the extent that we operate
1: selfishly, mm-hmm. and when I say, I mean. Very small definition itself. Uh-huh. Um, then we won't do that because I don't care about my
0: waste. If all I care about is you know me and my household, maybe. Yes. Um, and because uh, I can ship my waste to elsewhere, I'm well off enough that I can do that. Um, and uh, and so I, I I think that's what it takes.
2: You know, the narrator in your book is it a millennial? Or- a likable character, a spoiled rich kid, or who does that person? The narrator of uh, the Worst Generation. Yeah. Who is that? The
0: narrator. The narrator is Jenny Allhouse, whom you
2: mentioned. Yeah.
1: And she is
0: um, married, She's speaking to her father.
1: Ah.
0: And uh, so she ha- Is she a likable person? Um, uh, probably not fully. I I mostly like her. She's she certainly has the wherewithal in her life, the resources to be able to to say things like, oh, you screwed up the world, Dad. Huh. Um, and huh. uh, yeah, she does say that, essentially.
2: But, but she's thankful, she's, too. Is, yeah. She's thankful for things that she had in her life, yes, in her childhood she in particular. Is.
0: She absolutely is. Um you know, and he did spend time in the story, you know. I mean when, when they were kids she he spent a lot of time teaching her how to kayak on the rivers mm-hmm. and and, uh, and they did family trips together. Um, so so at that level, you know, I, I think he was mostly a pretty pretty good dad. And does she recognize it? Yes, I think she does. But uh, ultimately in, in the course of the story both both from her I'll say larger, less selfish, more selfless uh, perspective. And then in her own personal life, she comes to see him as doing, I guess, probably more harm than good. And, uh, and so she has that, that kind of a, a
1: he, Actually, if, if it all right, maybe I'll just read the, her little intro sure. at the beginning of the book. Sure, sure. Um, all right, so, yeah. so she's writing to her
0: dad here. Uh, Dear Dad. The title of this book is incomplete. I began with a torrent of ideas. love of my father, why I love my father, why I can't forgive my father, those sorts of things. I finally settled on why I blank my father. It seemed that readers could fill in the blank with almost any feeling and it would be true to my experience and possibly theirs too. My editor didn't like that, a title with a blank in it. So we argued around, I offered the worst generation. Hmm. It didn't mean it as a damnation. Maybe it's just bad luck. But with all love, I thought and still think is true. Jennifer Allhouse. Oh. PS. You'll note that I've had to imagine many of these events amusing. My real
2: fictions are at the farm reveal the truth better than their omission would have. Hmm. That's but, yeah. but of the farm, that <laughs> okay. you know, that's wonderful, uh, Dan. It's um it is, as you say, it's a novel which gives it an opportunity to uh, be read as fiction, but as fiction that is a call to action, and awakening. Uh, and as I we said off air, I think what's great even about even a radio conversation like this is that when we when we're forced to think out loud with other people about the situation, we realize. It is an enormous global thing, but we, you know, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. It's that kind of thing. We suddenly, the mental stimulus, whoa, that we get and bounce off of each other. The more people do that, the more we can both recognize the challenge and then work together to do something about it. I do think the best thing we can do is that we change ourselves, even individually. There's a National Geographic photographer, Joel Sartore, who's uh, been on the show, and I wish I could remember the list of things that he, he takes, he, he travels the world and takes photographs of species that are endangered so that they are at least recorded in his photographic art. But when I ask him the, uh, things about what, what he can do, he says, look in your backyard. And he says things like, you know, planting trees. And he goes on and on with all of these ideas that one can do within their community that changes the environment and changes the way people see things. Dan, give us your website and tell us how we can find out more about the worst generation. And also you have another book, Citizens, but how we can use these tools that you're providing to stimulate our imagination and creativity so we're not bogged down by the enormity but inspired to be a part of the solution. There you are. What's your website? That's the short answer. Oh, gosh. And,
1: and you know what? I'm, I'm a
0: terrible, anachronistic person. I do not have a website.
2: Oh, okay. Um, we can find the books on Amazon, yes? out there in all the usual places. Yeah. Uh, you know... Barnes and Noble, your local bookstore.
1: Yes. Um, All you have
0: to order is your local bookstore, but um, you know it, it, it's out there. So you can just, just uh, you know search for. i go to any of those places, any of those retailers, and I do have a little blog on uh, goodreads.com and the Amazon site will
1: link to that. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm 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 anachronistic that way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm I'm watching the birds. Uh, birds. Well, that may be the wisest thing to do because when I need to relax, I do 30, 40 miles an hour on back roads and I find places where not only I want to take photographs, but where if I just sit in the car and wind down the window or better yet walk around and find a place to sit, you can hear so much life going on that's not human life, but everything else, and yet we we just feed by it most of the time. What do you think about that? How do we? How, do we begin by reconnecting with nature? Is that too oversimplified? Too overdone?
0: I I think that is one beautiful piece, but I I really think I think let, let me say it this way. Um, okay, I I've been told that my book is is too bleak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and I can understand that criticism. I have to own that. Mm-hmm. It's not how I am, how I feel, or how I approach things. But it, I can understand that reaction to the book. Um, ultimately,
1: you know, Jenny Allhouse, the narrator in the story. Yes. She is... Well, her, her her picture, I think, is pretty
0: negative. But she all of I've I've tried to make her and her situation as real as I can. Ultimately, She, of course, is a fictional character Mm
1: -hmm. and she's locked into her 288 pages and you and I aren't. And we
0: get to make choices that she's not allowed to because she's, you know, print on paper. Um, uh, And so whether, whether it means get connected with nature, whether it means think unselfishly in how we live,
1: mm-hmm. how we
0: vote, what we, you know, the, the breadth of our of our intake of information, our understanding of our own limitations, mm-hmm. all of those things. Whatever whatever an individual does, I, again, I, I I think I think that has to be uh, a choice that people make. And when we make that choice, and as we make that choice individually, as businesses, as communities, as governments, that's where we'll make improvement. And so yes, for me a connection with nature is, is a hugely beautiful thing. When I when I wrote the book, I went into it, primarily coming out of that that more environmental not not as watching birds, but, but the environmental perspective, I found that as I wrote it, I got swept up more into into looking at the economic situation because that is how we interact, mm. um in our, I don't know, social political world, uh, or at least part of it. And, and so a lot of the book goes goes there more into the whole economic situation that mm-hmm. her dad had a career in finance uh, in the book. But I'm trying to look at, okay, how does that, how does that global stuff mm-hmm. impact us as individuals? Yes. And I think how we impact that global stuff you know, uh, I
1: think I think everybody, every individual
2: needs to make that choice. Okay. And we do have freedom of choice still. And I've been talking to Dan Grainy, Dan P. Grainy, the author of Worst Generation, The Worst Generation, uh, A Myopic Prosperity. And I hope you will find the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or anywhere else. It's out there, Dan tells us. Um, and I'm looking forward to finishing it, so how's that? Okay, Dan, thank you so very much for being on the show. Are you out in California? Where are you?
1: I
0: I am out in California, so when you were
2: talking about hurricanes and tornadoes, mm. you know, out here, uh, it's drought. It's drought, fires. yes. yes. Uh, so, yes, I'm in California. All right, well... Yeah. Thank you so much,
0: Marcello. It's a pleasure talking with you, and and from California, my best to you and and all the folks in
2: your area. And same to you as well. Take care. Bye now. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. another film rental discovery Welcome to the Indy Film Minute Spellbound is a 2002 documentary film about eight young teens elite contestants in their competition of choice the 1999 Scripps National Spelling Bee These devoted and goal-oriented children take enormous pride in their spelling skills. In their daily lives, they may be shunned as the class nerds, but here, they are the masters of their fate, the captains of their souls. Is it any wonder that they thrive on the achievement and the recognition? So do we. Spell cabotinage. It's not even in most dictionaries. We cringe as our new friends ever so painfully search memory banks for clues. So physically hard does one contestant concentrate that it seems letters are wrung from his brain as water from a sponge. Spell Apocopy. We are with them for the pain of the bell the moment a wrong letter is uttered. No takebacks here. Vanquished from the field of battle. And we share the joy and relief when no bell rings. Life goes on for another round. In Spellbound, we have a great documentary letting us get to know this special breed of children as they struggle to become the number one speller in the land. And now for the win, Spell Locoria. Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Patriotism and Citizenship, Religion and Politics While there is little more patriotic than storming the beaches of Normandy, it is just as courageous to suffer civilian neglect after tours of duty. There is more to patriotism than the Patriot Act, Citizens United, or day trip south of the border down Mexico Way. American citizenship deserves more than misquoting historical documents, or confusing a Pledge of Allegiance with a Declaration of Independence, or mistaking Guns, God, and Freedom Caucus for America the Beautiful there's more to love thy neighbor as thyself than espousing religious freedom while menacing freedom's greatest privilege with voter i d laws political gerrymandering and transforming faith hope and charity begins at home by diminishing education at degrading school infrastructures There's more to justice than blocking the restoration of voting rights to those former felons who did the crime but served the time. For beware, a society of revolving doors from Congress to K Street and schools to prisons risks being crushed under its own corrupted correctional collateral. And what of the humanity of providing affordable health care rather than being awash in the thrill of sticking the masses with addicting chill pills hedged by dealers dealing in insurance and pharmaceuticals? There can be more to our American life than diminishing dreams, but ultimately is already here and those too distracted to deny the powerful denial of truth standing before us, allow the powerful to reap what the rest sow. Though born out of war, freedom to peacefully assemble has always been an American ideal, less so misogyny and bigotry, and there is more to being a patriot than blocking Supreme Court nominees while costuming sexual harassment in a black robe of silence hiding in plain sight. There's more to standing up for our country than standing during the rocket's red glare, and more to honoring our veterans than a government shutdown. It's not enough to display old glory for all to see, until weather rending it filthy and tattered like a warrior forgotten. There is more to American patriotism than saluting a flag while denigrating the unity and civility for which it stands. A pledge of our allegiance to each other without prejudice is more patriotic than flag-waving or struggling to remember the lyrics of a challenging melody before sports events. Patriotism is not being media-numbed into glossing over a mother being gunned down while strolling with her children. Being an all-American citizen begins with being a decent human being to all Americans. Citizenship flourishes when liberally nourished with civil participation in the civics of our nation. Patriotism is not how loud we shout, for if we but journey together from disunity to community, the ugly American roar is silenced. The very nemesis of patriotism is the injustice in the words of an extreme hard Virginia amendment. Spousal abuse, rape, trafficking, the falsely convicted serving decades in prison, while one caught in the act of sexual assault receives a six-month sentence. True patriotism accepts accountability and celebrates contribution, especially from those who have been denied full citizenship. Our history is resplendent with Americans like Sojourner Truth and Harriet Beecher Stowe, Harriet Tubman and Elizabeth Caddy, Alice Jones Rhinelander and Susan B. Anthony, Marian Anderson and Eleanor Roosevelt, Mary McLeod Bethune and Ruth Williams Karma, Fanny Lou Hammer and Jeanette Rankin, Shirley Chisholm and Alice Paul, Dorothy Height and Betty Ford, Aretha Franklin and Barbara Streisand, Oprah Winfrey and, if she can be saved from police by coastal trafficking, possibly Celeste Guap. Real patriots preserve, protect, and defend not only America's symbols, but the rights and privileges for which they stand. We are a nation of nations on a planet we share with all life upon it. Worshipping the symbols of exceptionalism is not exceptional, but letting world peace begin with America would be. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you.